This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. It's a 90s movie about Robin Williams dressing up as a woman to spend time with his kids, and it has aged about as well as you think. It's Mrs. Doubtfire, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 43rd episode of This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. Or Madam Doubtfire. Or alias Madam Doubtfire, as we've learned uh, several names. We were uh, both very surprised that this was based on a book, and we were mm-hmm. not alone. We posted uh, when we posted we were doing this on social media. It had quite the response of people saying, "What? Yeah, no idea that was based on a book." <laughs> so, uh, but we did notice in the opening credits, it's right there, full screen, very large print, based on the novel by Anne uh, Anne Fine. Fine. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it is absolutely based on a book, and we're going to break down how based on that book it is. And how much of it is just Robin Williams making things up, which I think is most of it. So It seems to be uh, what filmmakers just let him do. Yes. Make it up as he went along. Absolutely. So we'll get to our first segment, which is Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. In Let Me Sum Up, uh, we each take a turn describing the rough plot of the book Katie does the book, then I will do the movie. Uh, just in case you haven't seen them or read them, you get a little bit of a feel. Uh, there are spoilers, so if you want to avoid... There are spoilers throughout our podcast, so if you're worried about spoilers, this isn't really a big spoilery mm-hmm. type one. But if you are worried about spoilers, just letting you know now. But Katie, why don't you quickly sum up, because there is not time, alias Madam Downfire, while I don't listen and pay attention. <laughs> Daniel and Miranda Hillard were unhappily married and are now unhappily divorced. Their three children, Lydia, Christopher, and Natalie, often find themselves in the crosshairs of explosive arguments. One of their central sources of conflict is how much time the children should or shouldn't spend at Daniel's house. It becomes such a sticking point that when he finds out Miranda is planning to hire a housekeeper to care for the children after school, he goes undercover becoming the elderly Madame Doubtfire, and takes the job. Miranda has no idea, and hijinks ensue. When Daniel is eventually found out, the resulting battle seems like it will tear the family apart forever, but it may be exactly what the two parents need to begin behaving like adults. All right, so that was alias Madame Doubtfire, or Madame Doubtfire as it is known, in some in ver- to varying degrees in different places, <laughs> as we've learned. All right, so Mrs. Doubtfire, the 1993 film. Daniel Hillard is a voice actor, uh, a happy-go-lucky, sort of uh, reckless, uh, all about having fun, free-spirited voice actor. He's married uh, to... Miranda. Miranda, I wanted to say Melinda. Miranda Hillard, 
Uh, they've been married for about 14 years. They have three children together. Um, Mar- uh, Miranda is a, a sort of buttoned-up uh, corporate type. She's very re- responsible. She has a lot going on, uh, but is also just a reasonable human being adult, unlike her <laughs> husband. Um but uh, so uh, there's been strain throughout of their marriage for a long time that culminates when Robin Williams throws a giant ridiculous party for his son or for their son, even though they uh, agreed that they would not have a party. Uh, this is the final straw and they get a divorce. The courts rule that Robin Williams can only see or Daniel Hiller, Robin Williams can only see his kids once a week with supervised visits on Saturdays. And he, for all of his faults, he is a good father and does love his kids a lot. So he comes up with a plan to see them more often uh, because he knows that Miranda is going to hire a babysitter, essentially a nanny for the evenings. So he creates the character of Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, where he dresses up in a, a as a woman uh, in her probably late 60s, 70s, 80s, an older woman, mm-hmm. a British woman. Uh, and creates this character of Mrs. Doubtfire to become their nanny so he can spend time with them. Uh, over the course of this, he learns a little bit about parenting and about responsibility and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, they all all the characters grow. Uh, ultimately, it gets kind of spoiled. Everybody finds out. It culminates at a big dinner party. It is revealed that he is Mrs. Doubtfire. The courts take his kids away pretty much permanently. Uh, but then... Miranda decides that, you know, she sees what this has done to him and what he's gone through to try to be around with the kids. She hires him as the nanny, essentially, uh, to take care of the kids in the evenings. Um, And then the movie ends. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I mean, that's pretty much it. And it's lots of hijinks with, with that premise. So that is a summation of... Alias Madam Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire. Now let's get to the game show portion of our podcast and play Guess Who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must get used to disappointment. Okay. All right. I have two and one big gimme. Okay, so Guess Who, just to clarify, or just a reminder for anybody who's new or doesn't know, Guess Who is the segment where, uh, as I have not read the book, I don't know what the characters are like in the book, Katie is going to read character descriptions, and I'm going to try to match them and guess which character from the movie they they coincide with. So, Katie. All right. Give me that first description. She rose and moved across the window and stared out. Her hands thrust deep down into the pockets of her winter coat. It didn't really suit her. The pattern was too strong, and it made her look frumpish. Well, there aren't that many female characters um, in the movie, uh, barring the kids, which doesn't strike me. Oh, it could be the daughter. Yeah, probably not. Um, I was going to say it could be the older daughter, but uh, I mean, my guess would it be that that's Miranda Hillard. That's my guess. Um, it is actually the older daughter. It's oh, Lydia. that was actually, I, as I thought about it, I was like, <laughs> that might make sense. Cause, and she does. Now, everybody wears kind of baggy clothes in the movie because it's the 90s. Right. So that like sort of frumpish clothing look was just kind of everybody dressed that way, especially yeah. kids. Uh, so, But I thought that kind of made sense for her. But dang. Oh, well. Oh, for one. All right. She was dressed smartly from top to toe in glossy black and purest white. Her thick and luscious hair, piled high on her head, was held in place by one small and strategically placed diamante clip. 
In her three-inch heels, she was taller than Daniel. Okay, well, I'm trying to think of a female character. I mean, that sounds like it would have to be Miranda. Um, especially because she has like some sort of stylish hair clip. Uh, and with Miranda being in sort of the corporate, she's, she's like a designer uh, that fits. Not, a, not a, a, like an interior designer. Um, and I can't think of what other possible character that would be. So I'm going to go with Miranda again. It is Miranda. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's portrayed as a little bit even more corporate in oh, the yeah. book than she is in the movie. Okay. So, All right. Here's your gimme, because I really wanted to read this I assume I'm knowing, going to know which one this is. <laughs> this is um, one of a couple different descriptions of this character that appears in the book, but this is the initial one that we get. A vast apparition towered over her on the doorstep. It wore a loose salmon pink coat beneath which hung boldly patterned skirts that hid all but a few inches of dark green rubber boots. Its head was swathed in a bulging turban held together with numerous safety pins and a glittery turquoise brooch. Coils of feathery scarf floated down its neck, and tucked under its arm was an enormous imitation handbag. Okay, so this is this is Doubtfire. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because this very much reads my, uh, uh, more like um, like a character from like a rolled doll book not rolled doll um maybe that mm -hmm. like a like a more of a like fan not fantasy book but like do you know what i'm saying yeah it, it read that description the the turban and the like boots and it reads like a like a weird like a nanny mcphee character yes, like absolutely it, you know what i mean whereas it's a much more eccentric kind yeah. of out there look than what we get in the movie which is a little strange and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but that that description's a little strange that Miranda would hire that person to me mm -hmm. because that doesn't seem to fit in with what Miranda's looking for. Whereas Mrs. Doubtfire, being sort of this prim and proper British nanny, yeah, very much fits in line yeah. with what Miranda in in the movie what Miranda's looking for with that stability and and whatnot in in, in a nanny and and as and as a juxtaposition to what. Uh, Daniel Hillard, what Robin mm -hmm. Williams's character provided in terms of the chaos and whatnot, this character set looks via description uh, <laughs> much more chaotic than yeah. I would expect Miranda Hillard to want. But yeah. we'll, we could talk about how that you know maybe her character is different or what you know how that all plays out in the book, and we'll get there. But that is interesting. That is very different than the movie. Yes, and I'm I was kind of surprised rewatching the movie because I hadn't seen this movie since I was a kid um i was a little surprised that they didn't do a nod to that during the makeover during scene. the montage yeah i was actually thinking about that and yeah you're right i don't think they do mm -hmm. and that that would have been an easy that would have been an easy gimme yeah. for book readers yeah yeah i yeah i think you're right they don't but they, they 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 maybe they did at one point and they scrapped it because not enough people would get it mm-hmm for the sake of just doing a bunch of celebrities yeah like the yeah. barbara streisand and you know that sort of thing. Um, they were like, well, the screen time will be better served making references people will get as yeah. opposed to references to the eight people <laughs> who read this book. will get. Not to say it was eight people, but it's based on our response of people who didn't know it was based on a book. You know, it, it, maybe less, not quite enough people would right. get it to make it worth it. 
But yeah. But, uh, a turban and a feather boa would have been an interesting look. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Can we also talk about the problematic use of it throughout that? Yeah. Is that in reference, I guess, because the first it's, line uses apparition? It's, yeah, it's in reference to the first line using apparition. It's, yeah. it's not great. I just thought it was a little strange. But it strange. doesn't continue right. okay, through fair the enough. book. Fair That's enough. the only place where it's done. Okay, fair enough. Like I said, it is in reference to apparition, and so I got what, yeah. you know, what, what was happening there. But yeah. All right. Two for three. One of those doesn't count because it was way too easy, but not too <laughs> bad. Let's hit it. It's time for, was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? First up, uh, in the movie, Robin Williams' character, Daniel Hillard, is a voice actor. Uh, well, at least in, when we first see him. Yes. Uh, we assume he's had several jobs. She says he, go, you know, he goes in between jobs pretty often. But he is a voice actor, uh, which is fitting for Robin Williams. And I'm assuming that's probably why his character is a voice actor, because mm-hmm. they get to do a bit with Robin Williams doing voices in the beginning of the movie and, and throughout the movie, honestly. Uh and I thought it was interesting. So in the book or in the movie, he's a voice actor and he ends up quitting essentially because he refuses uh, to pedal cigarettes to kid, not pedal, but to do a cartoon where a character like uh, smokes a cigarette. Yeah. He doesn't want to be part of that. Um, and I was like, that's interesting. Is, is that why he loses his job in the book or is that how does that play out? No, um, he is an actor. He is an actor. He's an actor. He's not specifically a voice actor, um, but he's just kind of perpetually out of work in the book. There's no scene where he specifically loses a job. Like does some sort of moral uh, (laughs) grandstanding and uh, ends up. Won't be part of the big tobacco machine. Yes. No, that's not in the book. Uh, is the inciting incident for the divorce now that we they established in the movie that there's been a lot building over the course mm-hmm. of their relationship, which is which is as per usual for you know things like a divorce. It's not like an event right. usually, barring like some like outlandish thing. But like uh, the inciting incident in the movie is he has this giant party uh, that in, is a truly irresponsible house ruining petting zoo party. Yes, is that what happens in the book? Is that the event that? That springs their divorce? Uh, no. Okay. Um, they're actually already divorced when the book starts. Okay, so, so we don't get the... Yeah, we don't get, the, we don't get to see their, their divorce proceedings. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like that in the movie. I guess we'll mm-hmm. talk about it, but I do enjoy that seeing... Because it gives, a, it gives Daniel a better... Both of them, really. We get more of a character growth yeah. and an arc for them yes. seeing where the, they're uh, starting and where they end. The 12-year-old rager is yeah. definitely um, a good way to to kind of uh, get a feel for both of their characters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the movie, the way Daniel Hillard is able to become Mrs. Doubtfire is that he has a brother who is a special effects makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and his uh, boyfriend in the movie, or husband. I, I guess they're I not think- married. Because it's well, it's in California, so maybe they could be at the time. No, well, they the refer time. to them. They say aunt and uncle. They said, yeah, they say uh, but, uncle and then aunt. Yeah, Jack um, or whatever. But I don't. But I don't think they ever actually. They say could just call them that and yeah. not like actually have them be married. But anyways, they're so the, the, his brother is a special effects makeup artist, which is how he is able to perform the transit or the transformation yes. into 
Mrs. Doubtfire. Is that how he does this in the book, or is it uh, basically just his own doing? And he's uh, and people are stupid in the book. Um, the second one. It's the people it's are stupid. It's his own doing, and people are it's oblivious. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um. There's no mention of him having any siblings in the yeah. book. Um. And he like he literally just like cakes his face with makeup. There's no like yeah. prosthetics and now, or anything. Like the thing is that you can do, uh, you can transform your uh, pers- like your visage pretty right. drastically with even just makeup. Yes. But that being said, your family, I find it hard. Like maybe think. somebody who you know, you know, loose acquaintance or something, but like your kids and your ex-wife. Yeah, would be tough to, especially if you're just some dude who doesn't know how to do makeup. Like if he had, I guess he's an actor. Maybe he's been around. Yeah, he might know how to do some stuff. Yeah, but even still, but I don't know that he would know the intricacies of like contour. Yeah, to the point (laughs) to like transform your face enough for people not to recognize you. Because yeah, that that seems hard to believe. So I we'll talk about it. But that seems like an interesting and smart choice that the movie made. Um. Okay, so uh, in the movie, we we are introduced eventually to Pierce Brosnan Mm -hmm. playing uh, Miranda Hillard's new love interest. Uh, Is there a James Bond love interest (laughs) that swoops in in the book? And does he just because this is the twist I like about it. It's it's in the movie. Uh, you're uncertain for the beginning part of the introduction of Pierce Brosnan Mm -hmm. about whether or not he's going to be sort of the typical cliche. Right. Creep, not creep, but uh, like jerky, yeah. like cool guy who doesn't give a shit, and it's like maybe ends up being a creep, or maybe is just in it for her money, or maybe you know, whatever right. thing. Or, but the movie takes it the other direction. It turns out Pierce Brown is a pretty nice guy who just likes he her, just, like yeah, he just, <laughs> just likes her, <laughs> like. Um, uh, and so, because I think I had read that originally in the movie script, he was supposed to be a jerk mm-hmm. um, and like or something and that there was supposed to be more animosity uh, or, or, yeah, or kind like, of a classic evil step parent yeah, archetype type of thing. Uh, but they decided against it at some point is what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does the mo- uh, does the book do that? How does um, the book play that out? So in the book, Miranda is dating a guy named Sam, okay, um, which is a point of some consternation for Daniel. Uh, but we never actually meet Sam. Okay. So yeah, we have no yeah. idea if he's a good guy or a jerk or who knows or looks like James Bond or doesn't. He could. <laughs> I like to imagine he does. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how does he come up with the name Miss Doubtfire? Because in the movie, uh, she's like, "Oh, what was your name?" And he's like, "Oh, I thought uh, she." He didn't realize he didn't give her his name, mm-hmm. and in a in a moment of panic, he glances around the room and sees a newspaper, and it says authorities doubt. The fire was something. Yeah. And he just sees Doubtfire, puts it together. It's Doubtfire. All right. Do we get to find out how he comes up with that name in the <laughs> so book? So that's not what happens in the book. Um, there is an allusion in the book to Madame Doubtfire having been a, a long since past role oh. that he had in a, a very avant garde sounding play. Okay. Um, but it's just like a brief mention, and there's never really any absolute confirmation that that's what it was okay like one of the kids thinks that they remember that being a thing that happened so we can assume that's probably the yeah, case that's probably maybe. the case yeah okay uh this is a fun moment in the movie and it was even more apparent to me now as an adult versus watching this as a kid a lot of things in this movie were but mm-hmm. uh because I, I i also i've seen this movie probably more recently than you but not in its entirety yeah 
more recently. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I probably saw this movie a half dozen to a dozen times from 93 to 2000 or something like Mm -hmm. that. It's just one of those ones I just watched a lot, like we had on VHS or something, and just watched it pretty often. Um, So does, uh, in the movie, Daniel, uh, he rides, he takes the bus to and from Miranda's, uh, and he gets awkwardly hit on numerous times by a an elderly bus driver. Mm-hmm. Does this happen in the movie or in the book? Because in the movie, it's it's a quite a, a nice moment of I say nice. It's not nice. <laughs> it's a, a fun turn of similar to how we discussed how what's her name wanted uh, Warren Beatty, the author wanted Warren Beatty to play mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire because she wanted him to be dressed up as a woman because he's such a womanizer, blah, blah, blah. I, not not to say this is about Robin Williams, but just the idea that like this guy having to live and experience being awkward yeah. and creepily hit on at night on a bus by some guy again, yeah, you know, you know, and not having any choice but to just sit there and, and just smile. be like, ah, smile and yeah. like, yeah, clutch your bag a little tighter, yeah. Um, actually, sort of. Oh, um, there is a somewhat but not really similar scene with okay. the bus driver. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, does he hit on her? Yes. Okay. How is it not really similar? Um, so in the movie, the bus driver sees his legs. At one point, yeah. At one point, he That's sees later, his leg. Yeah. And the reaction is kind of like, oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the book, the bus driver sees his arms, which are very masculine. Yeah. Um, and kind of shuts up real quick. Oh, uh, okay. So, so there's a different reaction, reaction mm-hmm. there. Okay. Uh, so in the movie, uh, at some point, uh, we get the fun back and forth with, uh, where the, the, the worker, um, what's, uh, the caseworker comes, mm-hmm. uh, to inspect his apartment and see how he's doing and all that stuff to check up on him. And she runs into Mrs. Doubtfire first and he has to go back and forth between Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel while she's there. Right. Um, I don't, does that happen in the book or does he have a case? Does any of that happen in the book? No, that scene isn't that, okay. in the book at all. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a spoiler for later, I guess. Oh, maybe not. It could still happen in a different situation. But um, then in this instance, so he, and he has to go back and forth and his, his mask. And now this, you already answered this because he doesn't have a mask. He just yeah. puts makeup on. Okay. So then my, I was, what well, my point was, or my question was because he gets his face run over by a truck. Mm hmm. And then has to improvise. So this is probably going to ruin all of these. But So it doesn't get run over by a truck. No. Following up on that, he then has to panic and come up with a solution to hide his face so that she doesn't, this caseworker doesn't realize that he is uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. So he sticks his face in a cake in the icing to make it look like a, like a mask, like a, mm-hmm. like a beauty mask yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, does that happen in the book? No. Okay. No, well, none of that scene is in the book. <laughs> none of that's in the book. So it's all just okay. That and that's yep. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected. Uh, we talked a little bit in the prequel about that scene and that like parts of that for sure were improvised because mm-hmm. like the 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 icing dripping off his face was not supposed to happen, yes. but the under the heat of the lights it happened, and then so they went along with it and did the whole tea thing, which is funny in the movie. Um. Did, and we'll talk about this more later, but did the kids find out do the first off, do the kids ever find out that he it's him until like the end or 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 do they ever is it do they ever kind of figure out 
that the the two older kids always know it's him. They always know. They know it's him from the beginning. Okay, so that's very different then. I mean, technically all three kids know, but the youngest one like compartmentalizes and never acknowledges that it's him and they just let her do it, which is kind of disturbing. Interesting. Um but yeah, the the two kids are the Three kids, but the two kids, older kids, always know it's him. So are they not fooled, or does he tell them? They are not fooled. Okay, but Miranda is. Yes. Weird. This is a classic, like, kids lit thing. Right. Children are smart, right. adults are idiots. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like, it's, yeah, like, yeah. uh, Lemony Snicket. <laughs> well, keep in mind here, too, remember I said this was satire. Right. Did you ever figure out what this is satirizing? I think it's satirizing adults okay. and adults who are maybe divorced in particular. Yeah. It's interesting because the movie, I think, goes a hard different direction. Yeah. It's not satirizing uh, people that are divorced. It's, it's very much a sort of a a loving um, exploration of yeah. a sort of quote-unquote broken households. It's not probably the best term for it, but... Um, Okay, so the kids just know the whole time. Yes. Uh, and the, the second part of that was they figured out in the movie because he pees standing up, and we'll discuss that more later. Yeah. Uh, the run by fruiting, maybe the most well-known scene in the entire movie because it is one of the probably the funniest, one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie, uh, is he throw Robin Williams in a fit of rage throws a lime yeah. at the back of Pierce Brosnan's head. And then plays it off by saying it was a, a drive by or run by fruiting or drive by fruiting. <laughs> uh, is that is there a drive by fruiting? No, that the, scene doesn't happen. Uh, that feels like a Robin Williams yeah. made that up on the spot type of thing. <laughs> like, or at least the line feels like like yeah, maybe they the had it like I he throws a line at Pierce Brosnan, and then they're like Robin Williams come up with twenty <laughs> different like lines in response to that, and they went with that one. All right, no run by fruiting in the book. So, in the movie, the big third act back and forth, the big uh, sort of climax of the film is he has this job interview, quote unquote, mm-hmm. kind of thing with the boss at his at his temporary slash part-time job where he's going to pitch him TV shows, basically. Yes. This is the part of the movie where it becomes a Shakespearean comedy. Right. And then, at the same time, he's at dinner with Miranda and uh, the new boy, uh, Pierce Brosnan, and the kids mm-hmm. celebrating her birthday. And he has to go, and he's with the family as Mrs. Doubtfire, and he's with the boss as Daniel Hillard. And he has to go back and forth and change in the bathroom a million times, and it's the hijinks and the back and forth, and he forgets and ends up at the wrong tables, the wrong person. Classic slapstick hijinks. <laughs> Does any of that happen in the book? Um... Not really. He is discovered through somewhat similar hijinks. Okay. Where he's trying to be two people in the same place. Oh, so it is similar. And going back and forth very quickly. But it's not at a restaurant. Um, and it's it's not nearly as interesting and funny. Okay. But so is it, uh, is it... Well, I guess we can talk about it because I have another follow-up question here. In just a second, so we'll get to that. Um, is the big reveal that uh, is he revealed because he has to do the Heimlich maneuver and rips his? Well, he doesn't have prosthetics on, but his wig <laughs> could fall off, or his turban could fall off, or something. Maybe revealing it if he's doing the Heimlich maneuver on somebody. Um, he, he's not doing the Heimlich maneuver, but his turban does come unraveled. Oh, and that is part of what's part reveals of it. Him. Yeah. Okay. 
he's trying to like wrap it up, but he can't do a like a very good job. And, and so it's just like it's, but it doesn't come over. It's not some big outland. There's no. not something crazy happening that makes it no, his reveal not really. occur. It just kind of okay. It just kind of all falls apart. It just dishevels and kind of yeah. Gotcha. Uh, in the movie, ultimately, Mrs. Doubtfire uh, again. He works at this TV station and. Uh, he ends up getting an interview with the boss who's seen him kind of playing around on the set and thinks he's funny and is like, hey, you got good ideas for kids programming. You should come talk to me about it. <clears throat> and ultimately pitches Mrs. Doubtfire as a character on accident initially, but then goes with it and that becomes the new show. And Mrs. Doubtfire is like the new, it's kind of like a Mr. Rogers type yeah. thing. Um so, does Mrs. Doubtfire become get her own TV show? She does not. No. It makes sense because he was an actor. So, I thought yeah, there was it, potential there. There was potential for that. But no, that's not how it plays out. Okay. And then finally, in the movie, there is no happy ending. I mean, there is, but it's not a happy, happy ending. Right. That you might typically expect uh, in that Daniel and Miranda Hillard stay super divorced they don't get back together they don't you know mm-hmm. they don't reunite uh they just sort of come to a new normal and uh stay divorced is that what happens in the book i can confirm that they stay very much divorced in the book <laughs> <Okay>. yes <laughs> all right so no yeah no happy ending in the movie or well again i say happy ending it's still a happy ending i yeah what i mean is like a fair like a your sort of typical Hollywood type of happy right. ending. Right, it's like, not a they fall back and they in fall love back and get love back or together whatever. Yeah, kind yeah. of a happy ending. It's yeah. a more realistic A more happy realistic ending. happy ending. Yeah, and I don't mean to imply that being divorced is not a happy ending. We'll talk about it more later. In fact, I think quite the opposite can be the case. I just mm-hmm. was sort of speaking more to the, like your typical idea, you know. Right, yeah, your typical ending. idea of yeah. they fall in love and right. kiss and ride off in the sunset yep. or whatever. Yes. So none of that. Cool. No. I was hoping not. Because uh, like I said, I like that they stayed at worst. And we'll talk about it more in a minute. But first, we have a little bit of a loss in adaptation. I didn't have anything, but Katie was confused. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Was it lost? Yes. Yes. And I want to get unlost as soon as possible. All right. So um, in the movie, when he takes the... She's going to place the advertisement for the nanny and he takes the ad and he's looking at it. Yeah. And then he quickly changes the two numbers on the yeah. ad. Um, and I made a comment to you. Yeah. I was like, it's a good thing their phone numbers are only two digits off from each other. And you looked at me <laughs> like you had no idea yeah. what I was talking about. And in that moment... I realized that thanks to the book, I had completely and totally misunderstood the scene. Yeah. Uh, because in the book, he does change it to yeah. his number. Right. He, like, whites it out and changes it to his number. Um, so that's what I was thinking when he changed it in the movie. Yeah. No, I, I think, and I could be wrong. This always confused me as a kid. I didn't really get what he was doing when I was little because like, yeah. I just wasn't sure. Like, it's pretty brief and then, like, you don't really see the entire thing. And I didn't right. really, under, I also didn't understand the idea of, like, print ads and, like, how that worked and whatever. So what I think, at least, what what's happening in that scene is he's, he's yeah, he's not changing the number to his number. He's just changing it to any, like, a random nonsense number right. by, like, changing two of the numbers so that anybody who calls, once the ad's printed, they won't actually get her 
and he'll be the only one that's able to call yeah, her because yeah, he knows her he number. He changes like he changes like a one to a four and, and a, a three, three to, to an eight, eight yeah. or something like that. And I'm sitting over there thinking like, well, that's really convenient. It's yeah. just two numbers off, yeah. and they were both easily changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, get, I get your confusion. I do understand your confusion there, especially because yeah, like you said from the book. But I also don't get that in the book because why would he want it to be his number? Why does he? I want... don't know because nothing ever comes. Yeah. of it. they don't ever talk about like people calling him. That's what I mean. Like, there's no reason for it to be his yeah, number. No, like, there's this not. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help him in any way. He just wants them not to be able to, so she doesn't hire somebody else. So yeah. But I, 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 yeah, I get why you were confused by it because it's not super obvious and it's pretty quick and, and little. Like I said, uh, little me didn't understand it at all. <laughs> Adult me got it a little better, but I wasn't confused by the book. So there we go. You're unlost. <laughs> Let's talk about what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Um, okay, so I mentioned that when the book starts off, they're already divorced. Um, they've been divorced for a while. Yeah. And I think for the way that the movie explores the issue of divorce, um, the way the movie does it, handles it, is, is good. Yeah. Um, but I f- also felt like the movie kind of... Because they did it that way, it initially sets her up as more of the bad guy, um, whereas the book sets them both off of, up as both kind of equally awful and responsible. Yeah. Now, see, I would agree with that to some extent. Uh, I agree in the regard that to maybe kids mm-hmm. watching the movie, as it is sort of a kid's movie. It's a family movie. but Right. I think kids might watch that and see her as the bad guy because kids are stupid. And what I mean by that is that kids don't like she she comes. She's the stern one. She's yeah, she's the bad cop to his good. cop. Right. But I think any sane adult watching this movie. Or any sort of rational adult watching the Mm -hmm. movie. And this is how I felt this time was like I thought they actually did a fairly good job of not presenting her as too much of. Like of the bad guy in the situation, I completely was like uh, understood why she was so exasperated. Like, mm-hmm. like they, they they I think the movie actually struck a pretty good balance of flaws in both of them, while uh, obviously are sort of. Um, I guess the biggest thing is that in terms of I I I understood why they were divorced. I think what the movie does is it. And I can see that, and this might be more what you're talking about, is as opposed to who's the villain and why they're divorced. The movie, the movie kind of keeps it even. I feel like, mm-hmm. whereas the uh, she comes a bit of uh, across a bit as a villain in the movie because she quote unquote takes his kids away from him. And now she doesn't necessarily do yeah. that. The court says, "Look, you don't have a job. You don't have a place of residence." Like, but it could still you could look at it that way. I guess. Again, I didn't. I actually thought that the movie did a fairly good job of. I, I did not remotely. And now maybe I'm more rational than some people are. Like more, I don't know. But like, I did not actually cut, think of her, see her as at all. I I don't um, necessarily bad, disagree with you. And I do think that as the movie progresses, the like, the portrayal of each of them becomes more balanced. Um, but I did think that at least initially. Like the scene when she's like marching in and shutting down the party, I thought it kind of 
maybe contributed to um, kind of a negative narrative about like women or about right. mothers. Right. I agree. The fact that that is a, a trope to yeah. some extent and that and it does play into that. It's just for me, like <laughs> I was like, yeah, that like it, it's it's. You know, if it, it would have been one thing, and maybe this is just me, it still plays into it, but it would have been it would play into it way more in a way more harmful way for me if that was not this completely outrageous party. Right. Like if yeah. it was just like kids there and was like a bit like you know what I mean. There's like a this is like a zoo and the police are like it's <laughs> it is to the point where her coming in and being like what the fuck is going on and turning everything off is like a reasonable you know what I mean. It's not yeah. like a you're being a bitch moment. It's like th- yeah, what the hell is happening like this man's acting like a child like it's at least to me and now other people might not see it the way and i can or you know other people may not kind of come down the same way i would of being like on her side in that instance but uh and so i can see it being Mm -hmm. sort of weird or problematic and and sort of uh by or uh reinforcing like a negative stereotype kind of thing or cliche but for me i was like yeah yeah (laughs) he's what is wrong with him (laughs) yeah um, okay. I mentioned that in the book, the kids know that it's him. Uh, the two older kids yeah. definitely know that it's him, like, immediately. Yeah. The younger one, it's maybe a little more questionable. She's also very young. Um, and I feel like that makes more sense. Yeah. Like, they would know, right? In the book, they would. In the sense that he just puts makeup on. Yeah. And puts a turban on. In the movie, I don't know if you would. Like, that portrayal, the different, like, the transformation Robin Williams goes through, the voice, the prosthetics, I'm not sure. What about his eyes, though? I mean, wouldn't you know your father's eyes? Probably, but it's also so outlandish. Yeah. And it is enough of a transformation, and it looks enough like a real person, whereas if somebody in galoshes and a <laughs> turban that looked vaguely like my dad showed up, and be like, yeah, what the fuck? But like this like little old British lady who looks like very different. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not... I agree that in the, in the book, it, it totally makes sense that they, like, based on the book description, of course they would, and how how the transformation goes, of course they would realize. The movie, I still think they probably would, but, like, less potentially? I don't know. I feel like, though, there's also the factor of, like, they're spending a lot of time with him as Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. So wouldn't you eventually figure it out or realize? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean they do in maybe the movie, if you're but, not looking for it, but yeah, that was my thought. That you might, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that's kind of impossible to like percentage. Like, what are yeah. the uh, chances they'd figure it out versus wouldn't? I it's such a weird situation that it would be pretty hard. Yeah, to, it's it's hard to really parse and like know. I don't know. I just feel like even if my mom like put on prosthetics and a wig and everything. If I was, like, spending a bunch of time every day with her, I feel like eventually I'd be like, wait a minute. But if if, if your mom, yeah, your mom, but your mom's not Robin Williams. I know. And I mean that, like, in the sense of, like, how talented of a, and I mean, like, because basically Daniel Hillard's playing Robin Williams, essentially, like a less yeah. successful Robin Williams in the movie. And so, like, the idea is, like, he truly, I mean, because when, I have a note about it later, but it is truly wild, 
like his voice is so different. Yeah. Like it doesn't sound anything like Robin Williams. And like it just, and they they I don't know. I think yeah, the eyes are the only real thing, but even that I don't know. I don't know if you would, honestly. I don't know if you would. All right. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. Okay. Um so one of the character traits that the book gives Daniel is that he's really good at gardening and like taking care hmm. of plants. Um which is a little thing. It's not terribly important. Um, but I do think it was kind of an interesting character trait, and it does help sell him as a little old lady. It's true. That's true. Yeah. He has no, uh, which is where part of the humor comes from, but he has very, yeah, he has no little old lady traits yeah. other than he can act like one. And all like all, all the neighbors start asking him for advice with their gardens, too, yeah. and none of the neighbors realize it's him yeah, either. Yeah, that's interesting. So. But see, that would be a giveaway, too. You would think. That's what I mean. In the book, it, it, which it does. Well, I don't know if that's how they, they just figured out from being around him. But, like, that would be a giveaway to the, the – I feel like that would be more of a giveaway to other people, too, is, like, if he had, like, skills like and hobbies skill in common. Set. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's more of a giveaway, whereas the movie doesn't have that other than, like, the soccer thing yeah. kind of. But uh, he only does that around the kids, I think, after they know. So it's not, like, that big of a deal. But All right. So I mentioned that the scene during which he is um, uncovered as being Miss, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire yeah. um, was not, it's, it's similar to what happens in the movie, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think that it would have played well in the movie. And I think that what the movie did was ultimately better. But I do think that what happens in the book is conceptually funnier. Okay. So what happens in the book is that he has a part-time job at the local uh, college nude modeling for art classes. Oh, okay. So (laughs) what happens is that through a series of mishaps, the art class ends up having to meet at Miranda's house while he's <laughs> supposed to be there as Mrs. Doubtfire. That is a weird. So, yeah, like no, I there's said, there's humor to be had yeah, there. There's humor to be had there. I think I think it's like can maybe conceptually funnier. Yeah, but I think what the movie does with it versus what the book does with it in terms of like hijinks yeah. is funnier. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely. Uh, comedic uh wheat to be <laughs> reaped reaped there but uh yeah i i, th- I think with the, with uh, making stew a more integral character yes uh, and and i like the whole storyline with uh, the mrs doubtfire getting a show sort of thing uh, you know mm-hmm. the, the direction they take in the movie makes a lot of sense um and obviously in in that regard the nude modeling wouldn't fit into that at all yeah um but there, yeah, there's definitely potential humor <laughs> to be had there. But. All right, that's it for Better in the Book. Let's do Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Uh, the giant birthday party at the beginning we talked about, I do think it's it's a great way to show his character. Shows how, like, kind of chaotic and irresponsible he can be. Yeah. Um what a potential nightmare it would be to have to live with him as an adult and not a child. 
Uh, talked a little bit about this, um, having them be in the midst of the, of a divorce and him fighting to be with his children kind of raises the stakes. Yeah. Um, I think it provides a, a solider reason for him to become Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, but it also, I think, makes it a wildly stupider thing to do. Yeah. So in the movie, he, he just doesn't have custody. There's not like a... There's not, it's not like a, cause in the movie, or sorry, in the book, in the movie, it's like a trial. He's like in a, they're like, we're, we're reevaluate in 90 like, days, yeah. in three months. Uh, and it, at that point, if you have a job, if you have all these things, um, you, you know, we, maybe you'll get the joint custody or whatever. Yeah. But in the book, you're saying he just doesn't have well he he they have joint custody technically okay but he doesn't get to see them nearly as much as they're at their mom's um and she has this penchant for bringing them late and picking them up early which frustrates him gotcha um so when he finds out that she's hiring a housekeeper he kind of just hatches this plot yes so you're in that regard you're right it definitely raises stakes uh, but it is much which is why because it's a much stupider thing to do yeah. in the movie yeah uh, it does raise the stakes um and we'll talk more about that later but yeah it, it's uh yeah it's a wildly stupid thing to do in the movie. yeah you're you're running a huge risk yeah um which does end up which, blowing yeah, up yeah and it does yeah. um i like how he comes up with the name doubtfire in the movie better i think i feel like the book's explanation is odd what was the book's explanation um that it was like a character oh, he played right, right, yeah. a long time yeah. ago and yeah. it seems like another thing that could get him caught so yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like if she happened to remember that. Oh yeah, that was the character when we first met or something. Yeah, yeah that's weird. I like that they did more with the makeup mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Um giving him a special effects yeah. brother has, was yeah. convenient perhaps. Yeah, a little but... convenient. But they live in he lives in <laughs> well, he lives in San Francisco. Yeah. Um so it's a little you know, uh kind of makes a little more sense that they're nearish yeah. LA, you they, know. They're they in a they place live in where, the, the land of movies. Yeah, they're in a place yeah. where there are people where that job's a little more common. Than yes. they say, which originally they were gonna, uh, and I think I left this out in the prequels, the our prequel episode that they were scouting and were planning on shooting this. It was gonna be set in Chicago, hmm. which that would make it a little more not a, not impossible, but just a little more like strange. just ever so slightly less believable that his brother is like a, a yeah. super. Talented special effects makeup artists. Again, they're they're all over the place, and but it, yeah, it just right. kind of makes. But sense. But then he's also working as like a voiceover right. artist. Yeah, and, all yeah. of those things don't make as much sense set somewhere like Chicago. Yeah, again, not that they don't make sense. <laughs> but. Um, I also love a good makeover montage. Yeah, so that's probably yeah. one of my favorite movie tropes is the makeover, the makeover montage. montage. And you get to do yeah again in the movie. It's it's just celebrities, not just celebrities, but mostly celebrities. Yeah, and outdated racial stereotypes. (laughs) It's not too bad in that regard. uh, I mean, it's not great, but it's also like... On the scale of how awful it could be. Yes. (laughs) Yes. On the scale of how bad it could be, it's It's not not so bad. It's not so bad. (laughs) Um, There is a lot more like back and forth comedy and hijinks in the movie that's just not in the book yeah i think a lot of that arises from robin williams yeah improv and that yeah. sort of thing uh there's one i forgot what was that one line i laughed for so long shit i'm not gonna be able to remember it now i'm gonna be mad that i even brought it up <laughs> there was one line and it was like a throwaway line robin williams had and it was so funny <laughs> and now i'm not gonna be able to remember it. this is pointless 
Dang it. Sorry, everyone. Uh, this goes, it's something funny he said. There you go. Just think of your favorite funny line from yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. It was that one. <laughs> that was the one I was thinking of. Um, I like that the movie shows him like struggling to cook. Yeah. Uh, in the book, it doesn't come up. He just like goes there and cooks for the kids. Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense that he'd struggle because he's still the same type of like let's order takeout yeah. kind of guy in both the book and the, the movie. movie. But in the book, he just manages to cook. And yeah. Really, yeah. That's yeah. part of his growth in the movie is that he can't do it at first and then, you know, studies and mm-hmm. learns and watches Julia Child and then knows how to how to cook. But he is, and I, get, I know it's for comedic effect, but he is, I find it hard, and I, I'm even saying this, I'm sure there are people this way, but I guess it's because I've learned to cook at a relatively young age. It astounds me that there would be people who are so inept at cooking that they like literally don't understand anything about it. Like, like they don't understand <laughs> that like, like, like all of it, everything is burning all at once. He's yeah. burning like boiled water. Like he's like burning water somehow. Like it's it's all just like he grabs a boiling pot with his bare. Like it's just. And again, I know it's played up for comedic effect, but. There's got to be some sort of level of truth to that, and it's just kind of weird to me. And I know it's true. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just lucky in the sense that I was my, my my parents taught me to cook when I was young, so I just sort of like. I actually feel like if you don't know what you're doing, turning up the heat really high is a logical error to make. See, that's wild to me. I guess to me, it's Turn almost up like the, the heat opposite, and it cooks faster. <laughs> Right, but I didn't say it was a good (laughs) piece of logic. Yeah, but it is a piece of logic. Fair enough, that's fair. But yeah, that scene was always to me. It's just like, dude. Also, start easier. Maybe don't try to make (laughs) lobster thermidor for your first fucking meal that you're learning to cook. Like, yeah, maybe maybe not a cheese sauce. Yeah, let's not make hollandaise and lobster (laughs) thermidor for your. I don't know if he's actually making well. lobster thermometer. He's making some sort of shell. Well, he does make lobster at one point, but yeah. the first one, I don't know. He's making like fish or steak it's, or... I, I don't know. It looked like... it's burnt something like in a pan. Like ribs almost? Yeah, it looked I like some know. sort of meat that was burnt. Maybe start with like a nice meatloaf yeah. or like pasta. Yeah, so many things. Yeah, pasta is perfect. Yeah. It's, unless you just boil the shit out of it or not, you know, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Um, and my last note... On Better in the Movie is that the movie has Robin Williams, so there's that. Yeah. The book cannot have Robin Williams. (laughs) All right. That was it for Better in the Movie. Now let's, uh, well, it's very brief, but we have two things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Um, It's two things that are, I could lump them into one thing, honestly, because it's all the same scene. Yes, it is all the same scene. Um. There is a point where the kids are at his apartment not long after he moves in, um, and they're having Chinese takeout, mm-hmm. and he makes a joke about Miranda getting amoebic dysentery, which upsets the youngest daughter, yeah. um, and then she pulls up outside and is honking and honking and then busts her way in through the door. Yeah. Um, and, and of course he gets upset because she dropped them off late and now here she is picking them early, uh, them up early. And that scene is like beat for beat, word for word from, from the, the book. book. There you go. It's pretty much the only thing. You know, it's interesting because beat for beat, word for word. Yeah. But. It's funny you mentioned that because you said the, the movie overall is like funnier and a little more like, it's not the same sort of satire and like, uh, the, the book sounds a little more like a, a, a I don't want to say 
darker, but like it's a, a specific type of humor, I yeah. think. And that scene was felt the most it's the one scene, it's like the only scene, well, I guess like the the court scenes are pretty similar mm-hmm. that are like really like kind of, you know, sad or brutal. And like that scene in particular where he starts yelling at him to like sit down and you know like it, yeah. it's like it hits like the it's one of those scenes it's one of those scenes in the movie that's like not funny really even yeah. like uh, the part with the like I mean this and dairy part is but even that's sort of like a dark kind of weird humor and like the little girl like I don't want mommy to die and they're like nah, nah, yeah nah. like it's still funny but it's not the same Robin Williams funny of like I mean uh, now that there's still moments of that interspersed where he's doing like voices and stuff but. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not the same kind of goofy hijinks it, type it, of... It does stand out, I think, amongst the rest of the movie as being a slightly different type of thing going yeah. on there. Yeah, a slightly the, different tone. The than, book does... It, it's a very different tone yeah. than the movie. There are still funny parts, but it is it is a, a darker-ish yeah. kind of humor. It's a very specific type of humor. Um and I think part of, at least for me, what makes the book a little bit less funny than the movie is that both of the parents are just the worst. Yeah. Like, they're both of them are so awful. Yeah. Like, it's just, blah. <laughs> like, it's hard to read sometimes. Yeah. Because you want to, like, reach into the book and throttle both of them in yeah. turn. They're so horrible. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's where the movie goes completely different. Is yeah. Because it goes, it's a very, it's going for a, a message, uh, a happier message. Yeah, the, and they're actually yeah. both, they're both good parents in their own way. Um, they just have their flaws. At, yeah. You know. The movie very much softens yeah. both of their characters. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have a few odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. All right, so we have a lot to talk about here. I'm gonna do my things first, and then we got a big, mm-hmm. uh, a big little section to get out of, the, or not to get into here. Uh, so I just had a few little notes. I, <laughs> this is a stupid thing, but I think Sally Field and Robin Williams are a good look match. Yeah. Because I, my and the only reason I bring it up is that Robin Williams looks like Robin Williams, <laughs> and I, I found I was like very glad that they didn't get like some like. Way younger, mm-hmm. way prettier actress to play yeah, his wife. They look be- like a reasonable couple. Together. They are believable looking yeah. people and they make sense together. <laughs> like in terms of like, like they're both attractive, but not like movie star attractive right. people. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, it's like, hey, those look like normal people that would and be in a relationship. especially refreshing given, um, I think, the tendency of comedies and this is more of a thing in tv than movies right. i think but to cast like yeah, that's what a kind of schlubby looking yeah. guy yeah. with like a model right yeah like and you're the king like, of queens yeah. thing like and yeah you're like looking at him like i don't want to be that person right. to say this doesn't make sense yeah. but this doesn't make right. sense and not to not to and again it, that's a bit you know it's shallow it's and i'm not it, i'm i'm i think we're both speaking more to the sort of the weird problematic uh nature of the the sort of male gaziness of it yes. as opposed to like you're a seven out of ten you're a nine yes. out of ten you don't belong together it's not that it's that it's almost always 
or at least traditionally been always the the female character who's like looks like a, a model or an yeah. you know and yeah. then it's like uh uh the fill it the stand-in for the audience guy who's just like a schlubby guy yeah. you know um so yeah i think <laughs> just to clarify yeah it's more about the sort of male gaziness of it than you're not a perfect match for each other or whatever physically like yeah that's nonsense love whoever but robin you love. williams <laughs> and sally field uh, look like a couple that you would encounter in real life. That's yeah. That yeah. was my that was my point. Yeah, yeah. they make sense. Um, I also think this movie is uh, rewatching it a pretty masterful character piece, especially mm-hmm. for a ch- uh, family children's movie. I think it handles it very deftly. Uh, the, their Daniel's flaws and his good qualities are super obvious, and and again for a kids movie, I think this is important because I think a kid would watch this and kind of get it. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little maybe too obvious for like if this was like a serious drama for like oscar consideration like Mm -hmm. maybe it's the the their the flaws and the uh good qualities of miranda and daniel hillard are a little too like arch a little too obvious Mm -hmm. maybe but i think it works really well for a kid's movie um and we find out everything we need to know about daniel hillard in the first 15 minutes of the movie about why you know uh, the things that make him good he's morally uh He's got a good moral compass, mm-hmm. like when he decides he doesn't want to do the cigarette thing, uh, and he and so much so that he's like, "Look, I, I'm not, not going to do this." And he walks out on the job, um, and he truly loves his kids. We see that, and he goes, he picks them up, and they all love him, and they have very good relationship back and forth. But then we get, you know, also he's wildly irresponsible. He's going to have this ridiculous party, and you know, it just sets up everything. Uh, right. And they're back and forth, and their relationship feels very believable. Um, and little, even little moments and little lines of dialogue where. Where he he it's one throwaway line, but while they're fighting after the party, he says, "Oh, you became those corporate suits you always hated, or something like that." Mm-hmm. So you see wh- how maybe you know you don't see any of it, but you you get this you little get this, nugget of their previous yeah. relationship and how they used to be, and that she was maybe a little more kind of yeah. Loose you you and get free. this inkling of how their relationship has progressed yes. over the last fourteen years. Yeah, and how it has changed. Yeah. Um, and how they haven't changed together and yeah. why they have grown apart um, because she's changed more than him, maybe in some ways uh, and probably for the better because he's mm-hmm. irresponsible. But anyways, I, I it's just really, really well done. Um, and I mentioned it earlier, but Robin Williams voices Mrs. Doubtfire is wild to me. It doesn't sound anything <laughs> like him. I mean, he does a million voices, but a yeah. uh, little thing. How is James Bond allergic to pepper <laughs> and how is he alive? <laughs> Literally, pepper is in everything. And now, in the, <laughs> right? He says, I'm allergic to pepper. Right. It doesn't get any more specific no. than that. He just says, I'm allergic to pepper. I'm like, bro, you can't eat anywhere. <laughs> every recipe I've ever made has some form of pepper. Yeah. Literally every recipe I have ever made, other than like pancakes, has had <laughs> pepper in it. What are you talking about? And now we see in the particular scene what Robin Williams dumps like cayenne pepper yeah. all over the, the dish, which would make a little more like because that's not something that's in everything, at right. least. It, whereas like pepper. The, yeah, it's a specific type of pepper. Right. Vague pepper, quote unquote. And now he did order. But even still, no. Yeah. I. I it's, <laughs> well, why would you order the spiciest thing? Right. And then he orders like jambalaya. It, or, yeah, or whatever. Like, bro, you're not getting that with no pepper. Yeah. You're not getting anything with no pepper. You can't. Put pepper in everything. Salt and pepper is like in everything. I it's 
blowing my mind. I mean, it's not in everything, but like you go to a restaurant, like 90, whatever. Okay. Literally every recipe. On. All right, but you're especially not getting a spicy Cajun stew yes. with no pepper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then my last little note was that I thought this movie had a really nice uh, divorce message. Uh, the family mm-hmm. monologue at the end that Mrs. Doubtfire gives is really great. And we'll talk about it a little bit more here in a second. But I, I thought just overall it was a, it's a really sweet, um, well-written, uh, um, good message about uh, divorce and family and finding uh, – and that family isn't just – your mom and your dad living together in a yeah. house together with you. It can be many different things. Yeah. So I thought that was nice. All right. I have a couple notes yeah. before we get into our kind of meatier mm-hmm. topic. Uh, okay. So the Cartoon cigarette thing. Totally get that that's setting up his character. But Cartoon hawking cigarettes, would that have even been an issue in the 90s? You like mean it feels more like a 70s or 80s thing? It feels more like, yeah, it yeah. feels more like an older thing than... Probably. And now again, and I, I kind of said it wrong, they're not so like selling cigarettes. It's just a character who is smoking a cigarette in the in the, yeah. in the the thing, which is a little more likely, I think, still at the time. But it is, it does feel, and in, in the style of animation and stuff, it feels like a it an older like a, cartoon, yeah. like an older Looney Tunes cartoon yes. where that would have been more of a problem, whereas this being like the 90s or whatever, it's a little less likely, but... Yeah, still, I'm not going to say it wouldn't. I think it still definitely could happen. It's just we were getting around the time where we're coming around to the fact that cigarettes are the worst and like (laughs) shouldn't have shouldn't be advertising them to anybody, let alone kids. I like that even before they got divorced, when Miranda found out that Stu had called her, she was like, oh, yeah, thank you. Next. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like she was ready to go. Yeah, she's already done. She was like, oh, yeah. Uh, James Bond wants to see me. Okay, (laughs) I will talk to James Bond. Um, We paused the movie actually to discuss this a little bit at length. Um, I feel like the mobile petting zoo wouldn't just let their animals wander up and down the street. No. In San Francisco. They literally get there with that trailer, open it up, and they're and just, just like, be animals free. everywhere. Be free. And they just go everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty much nonsense. Um, A moment that is, it's funny, but it was also kind of weird. Yeah. After Daniel saves James Bond's life. Yeah. And he's revealed as Mrs. Doubtfire. They, like, just shake hands. They, they very uh, <laughs> quickly and, like, uh, oh, no. Sir, sir, I like just kind of briefly shake hands and look at each other and like, <clears throat> yeah. It's funny, but it's also so it's so weird to yeah. me. But I guess like, what else could you do? Yeah. What in do you that do moment? in that moment? Like, what There's do you do? No pro, no reaction. And the guy <laughs> did just save his life, and he doesn't yeah. know necessarily that he was the one who put the pepper on his thing. It's true. So That's he's true. just like, ah, I guess I got to shake your hand. You did just save me. So. Um. I just want to talk for like a brief minute about how 90s wholesome this movie is. Yeah. It's so like, why was everything an after school special in the 90s? It's because that's when that became a thing, right? Well, maybe the 80s, but. <laughs> yeah, the starting in the 80s, yeah. like leading into the 90s. Um, and then like divorce as like a hot button topical yeah. issue is super 90s. And it's it's understandable yeah. because I think it had just recently started to become something that was like okay to talk yeah. about. And yet it wasn't going to be like so much of an issue that it would yeah. upset people. Yeah. 
Um, but like just today, it seems so wrung out and discussed yeah. just to death. It's one of those things that is aged in the same way that a lot of the stuff in in those in those movies does. Is yeah, at the time, this might that might even be seen as slightly progressive, not like yeah. wildly. It's the nineties. It's not nineteen fifty, but right. like. A little bit to the sense of sort of talk so bluntly about divorce and kind of, you know, but like there's some, you know, especially because like way more conservative type uh, opinions on divorce, even in the, even now are still, yeah. you know, very much against it or, or feel like, it, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, there's something there to it, but it's it's definitely not sort of an interesting topic anymore. Yeah. <laughs> for most people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it hardly feels like the kind of like issue that media from the time makes it out to be yeah it no yeah no (laughs) um but let's talk about something that is an issue Um, and let's uh let's dig in we'll dig in strap um, in content warning transphobia yeah, I mean, they were to briefly discuss discuss the the transphobia in this movie. Um, Maybe not as much as I might have guessed, given the time period and the subject matter. I was pleasantly surprised, (laughs) and I say that as you know, caveated as possible. I wasn't. I I was expecting way worse. I guess we shall say. Yeah. uh, Than we got, but. Um. So. I want to start with a disclaimer. Yeah. Um, I have these examples here, but I don't think we need to no. list them. Um, okay, so our disclaimer, uh, neither of us are authorities on this topic. It's Far from it. Very much not. Um, this is not an issue that either of us live with or deal with. Um, we're going to talk about it as it pertains to this movie and book because we feel like it's harmful to ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but our intention is only to add to the conversation yeah. and, and not to talk over anyone. Not to talk over anyone or have it feel like, anybody feel like we're saying our opinion is the end all be all right. or, or even interesting to, to people. <laughs> like it's just it's truly just our feelings on the matter and our discussion on the matter. And yeah, it is trying to add to the conversation as opposed to uh, dominate the conversation. Right. Um, but as we've kind of brought up with with Harry Potter, I don't we don't feel like it's beneficial to ignore this no. type of thing in media. So. No, I think it'd be more much more harmful. Uh, I, and you could convince me otherwise but to, to to not discuss it at all on this episode mm-hmm. because we don't have the potentially have the or we don't have the proper sort of framework and lived experience to really dig into it. I think it would be more harmful to dis- to ignore it than to discuss it in whatever way we can while uh, sort of reaching out to other people to yeah. continue that discussion. Yeah. Um, so to that end, mm-hmm. then uh, we want to encourage everyone not to stop with what we have to say here um, and t- uh, to seek out transgender creators. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want to specifically recommend the podcast, um, pub, the public trans podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really like the YouTuber ContraPoints. Yes. Uh, we're both big fan, uh, yeah. big fans. We watch her content a lot. Um, I will preface this and probably a lot of people who might know she's Contra's not necessarily might not be for everybody. Uh, yeah. a, most of left tube and left tube is a thing, quote unquote, left tube. 
uh, is the the sort of liberal is not the right word. The left the side of YouTube. Side. The lefty side of YouTube <laughs> uh, likes Contra, um, but there is a non tiny minority of people who find some of her content problematic and. I don't necessarily agree, but they have their own reasons that mm-hmm. I are understandable at times. And I, I and I, I just want to put that out there and not like wholly endorse. I, I, I will wholly endorse ContraPoints. I think she's brilliant. But I also don't have the lived experience to look at everything she says and go, yeah, that's not there's nothing problematic about that. Whereas yeah. other uh, trans people have watched her content and said, I don't like this. I don't like this. Right. And that's a more interesting perspective than my, right. <laughs> than my so perspective. I, yeah. Um, public trans podcast and ContraPoints, these are two things that we like. Yeah. Um, you might not, and that's yeah. totally fine. Um, if anybody has any other recommendations, yeah. I would love to hear them. Absolutely. Personally. Yeah. yeah. Because, uh, yeah, and especially with ContraPoints is so huge that it's, it's us saying it, recommending yeah. her is like, you know, <laughs> Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> Everybody already watches Contra, but... Okay, so, um, this is really a movie about cross-dressing. Yeah, the first thing, yeah. all this discussion of transphobia, first, this movie is not um, about trans This movie people. is about cross-dressing. Um, Robin Williams' character is not trans. No. Um, he's not transitioning. Mrs. Doubtfire is not an authentic self yeah. that he's trying to live as. Um, and cross-dressing has a long history in entertainment. Yep. Um, it's been a thing for as long as theater has yeah. been a thing, and it stretches back even further into folklore and mythology. Yep. Um, I mentioned Shakespeare briefly earlier, yeah. and that is, that, I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah. In, There's in also theater. probably problematic and less, or more problematic and less problematic versions of cross-dressing. Yes. Whereas, you know, you go to something like Shakespeare, the reason a lot of that happened was because, at least from my understanding, and I could be wrong with this, right, that that, that they just didn't want women as part of the, or that, for whatever reason, women weren't included in theater. So in order to play those roles, they had to have men do it. And there's, you know, some sort of inherent misogyny going on there. Then there's probably also other versions that are less problematic than that. It's a complicated topic, but yeah. It's a complicated topic. It is an old topic. um, But it it does have a long history in entertainment. Um, And then there's obviously nothing inherently negative about cross-dressing. No, because gender is a construct. (laughs) Yes. Um, So the the problematic elements that we want to discuss here aren't in the topic itself. Um, It's in how they're presented. Yeah. Um, And the, the presentation is not always great. No, it's not. Um, Okay, so most of the problematic elements here, I think, are jokes at the expense of transgender people. Um, And and a lot of them are quick, like the the line that he says on the phone. Yeah. Um, He says at one point when he's calling Miranda trying to be somebody, trying to be like He's doing a fake... Yeah, he's doing a fake voice. He's pretending to be um, a different applicant. A for different the job. applicant, and he says like, um, uh, "Oh, I don't work with boys because I used to, I be, used to one. be one." And she freaks out about that. Yeah. It's like, Ugh. yeah. Um. So there's stuff like that, and then there's stuff that you might not even really notice if you aren't aware of this this kind of issues. Yeah. Um. For example, the use of Aerosmith's "Dude Look Like Dude Looks Like a Lady." Yeah. Which I don't know the context of that song. I don't know what that song's actually about. If I don't it's know. just about like a pretty, 
like man like there's a I, I again I don't know there could be a less problematic reading of that what that song's about there but could it, be but, but I it don't sounds know. just by yeah. the, <laughs> just by the <laughs> chorus yeah it sounds rough I love it the chorus which has been stuck in my head for the last 24 yeah. hours since we watched the movie so yeah. thanks for that um all right so there's a, you know there's stuff like that to me the most kind of problematic did not age well scene is when Christopher, the son, um, catches Mrs. Doubtfire going to the bathroom while standing up. Yeah. Um, so that's the way that's revealed to yeah. the kids. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what makes it an issue is the reaction that they have. Yeah. There's like an immediate threat to call the cops. Yes. Um, it's so complicated, but yeah. Yeah. Like... It, <sighs> An immediate threat to call the cops, like, to me, as if this person isn't someone who has become their friend. Right. Um, and that this one thing is, yeah, but it's, it, I don't yeah, sorry. Go and ahead. we're going to talk about, like, looking at media in the context right, of right, right. That, its That's where time. I was jumping to, and yeah. Um, but to me, I think it rings especially icky right now yes. in 2019 yeah. in light of recent like bathroom bill legislation and yeah. the related false narrative that trans women are who want to use the women's room are predators or right. perverts. Yeah, it, it definitely feel it definitely feels absolutely in line with that mentality. Yes. Um, and again, it's a little complicated because it's kids. Right. don't really even know how to react like it's different than adult it's it's all contextually very kind of complicated but i agree it absolutely fits into that uh and and falls into that yeah um problematic narrative um and i you know i think what's a little bit frustrating about media like this is that if you're really insistent on not like kind of facing up to that and thinking about well, I, this kind of is potentially problematic. Yeah. Um, it's easy to hand wave it away. Yeah, like I, like I, like I said, I, I'm inclined to do, not inclined to do, but that you know, because there is contextually <laughs> dependent things happening right. that sort of make it more complicated and muddied than just like right. trans I mean, people yeah. bad. Because <laughs> you can say, well, I mean, of course the kids felt shocked and betrayed. Or yeah, of course the judge isn't going to award yeah. custody to someone who was deceptive and circumvented yeah. his ruling. But I, I think the important thing here that we all need to come to a better understanding of is that regardless of the plot details elements like this contribute to a harmful social narrative yeah. um, and they might seem like teeny tiny little drops but they are drops that add up to an ocean yes i i agree i i don't have a lot to add uh mainly just kind of reiterate i would just be reiterating your points but i i think the most important thing and is what you discussed earlier is at least to discuss it yes. and talk about the issues um well, discuss them and to learn to be better about them going forward. But discussing because because just discussion for discussion's sake doesn't do anything. You have to learn from it. But uh, that being said, I, I like we mentioned, I don't think this movie is quite as explicitly transphobic as I was expecting. Mm -hmm. But it was incredibly casually transphobic. Yes. In a way that at the time. And again, this is the contextual thing. People didn't even realize. I think, like, I, I, yeah. if I had to guess, I, I, I think that a lot of these people didn't even real, like, you know, right. The I, and at again, the very I'm, least, not... I think we weren't having a kind of a national social conversation right. about these issues the way that we are now, almost thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess my point too is, yeah, like I said, I don't want to. 
I don't think it's right, like you said, to just hand wave away sort of casual mm-hmm. transphobia, um, especially now. Obviously, now, if anything's being yes. made when we've had or having this discussion, have had this discussion. Um, it's incredibly uh, a bad idea and, and, and silly to hand wave away casual or, or explicit or whatever kind of transphobia now. Uh, and it's also at the same rate problematic to just hand wave it away back then and say it was a different time. Um, but as you mentioned, you have to kind of understand media contextually. And in some ways, this movie it kind of it gets progressive about things at times. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because in this in the same movie that is sort of uh, casually transphobic a lot um, and, and, and sort of oblivious to that whole problematic element of the film it's also is a movie from 1993 with an openly gay quote maybe married couple maybe Mm -hmm. not um who are treated i mean they're they're seemingly embraced by all all members of the family they talk about them and they seem you know nobody's like weird there's no jokes at their expense unless you count like I don't think there really are even any jokes at their expense. You could maybe argue that they're sort of that the characters they're playing are a little stereotypical. A little stereotypical, yeah. But also, there at least Harvey Firestein is a gay man. He's mm-hmm. uh, the actor who plays uh, his brother is a gay man, and they. Um, I, I don't know about the other actor, but uh, so you know, it's not like it's not some straight guy doing his yeah. best gay character. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the it, Harvey Firestein is a gay actor and activist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you know by that standard, if especially for 1993, that's like a fairly like yeah progressive and and kind of forward thinking thing to do in your movie. Um, not wildly so. It's 93 and not 1973, but like still, it's 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 interesting. But and I think also. If you give a very charitable interpretation <laughs> of Mrs. Doubtfire's family monologue at the end of the movie, uh-huh. and I'm saying very charitable, uh, you could expand the message that sh- she's saying to all sorts of non-traditional families. Because mm-hmm. she, do- she does say, uh, you know, some families have uh, one mom. Some families have one dad. Some families have a mom and a dad. Some families have foster. Like, yeah. all these different families. Now, the movie never explicitly comes out and says, some families have two dads. Some families have two moms. Right. Some, like, they don't say that, and they could have, and they should have. Yes. I mean, they have a gay couple in the movie. Like, yeah. you, you could have just, like, you know, it's a little weird that that's not included. Um, maybe they they're a little worried about whatever at you know coming out that explicitly right i can see that argument uh, you know because i feel like that monologue rides that line as close as it can to being like all types of families are good yeah no i think without explicitly saying including gay you know whatever sort of um would it have been better had they explicitly acknowledged that yes yeah but i think it does come as close as it can and I, uh, I understand in the time period why they might have felt hesitant. Yeah, to actually come out and say that because even now today we still have oh Campbell Soup had right. a gay couple in their commercial. Everybody lose their minds. Right. right. Yeah. Stop it, losing your minds. Yeah. Just commoditizing your sexuality. But anyways. <laughs> Don't get me off on my anti-capitalism <laughs> rant. Um, I'll leave that up to way more talented YouTubers. Uh, anyways, but yeah, I, I, but that, again, none of that's to dismiss uh, the blatant and, and you know, persistent uh, problematic elements as it relates to trans people and their issues and that sort of thing. But it, it is complicated, mm-hmm. uh, an interesting topic. But I, I agree with what you said. You got to talk about it. And 
uh, and learn and yeah. learn to be better. So that's that. And that's all I have to And hopefully we are. Yeah, we're trying. Some of us. Some are of trying. us are trying. <laughs> we're trying. I don't know if anybody else is fucking trying. I feel like some of us are trying to get worse. Yeah. But that's a whole other issue. That's a whole other issue. All right, time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. All right. So I am actually going to do something that I have never done before. And I am going to call this one a draw. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, in terms of story, I do think the movie might be better. Yeah. I think it's objectively funnier. Um, and I think it has a stronger storyline and message. Um, but if I'm being honest, I am kind of uncomfortable awarding it overall better status because of the ways that it hasn't aged well. Yeah. Um, and the book isn't perfect. Uh, but it has aged a little better, in my opinion. Um, now, the movie is, like I said, it's almost 30 years old. Yeah. And there, there are going to be problematic elements yeah. in older media. Yeah. Um, I don't think that should automatically make it bad. No. Um, but I don't think that we should ignore that no. either. Um, so it's up to you, I think, to decide how you feel about the movie and the book. Yeah. Um, I would just encourage you to consume media responsibly. Mm-hmm. I think we all need to work towards being able to simultaneously understand that media is a product of its time and to understand that the ways in which it is a product of its time can still cause harm in the here and now. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to understand both of those things simultaneously. Yes. Because um, yes. older media is always going to crash with our modern viewpoints. Yeah. Um, but I think that if we can all learn to deal with it in a productive way, by discussing it, by listening to each other, by attempting to learn and get better, I think that we and our art will be better off for it. Bravo. Thank you. Katie, what's... Uh, well, before I tell we tell the, the fans <laughs> what's next, you can rate, subscribe... Not boy, I blew that. You can subscribe <laughs> to us, which you probably already are if you're listening to this on all of uh, the major podcast platforms. And also, if you already subscribe to us, do us a favor, uh, leave us a review, give us a five star rating, rate us on whatever platform you listen to us on. If you can, not all platforms allow for that. Like, I don't think Spotify you can, but yeah, I don't think so. on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us. Do us a favor and uh, hit us hit us with one of them five star reviews. We're up to forty one ratings now nice. which on itunes which is pretty good yeah. we were just at 38 like the other day so we got three more in like the last week or sweet two, so. thanks yeah whoever you are we uh, <laughs> we appreciate that a lot uh you can also find us on all of these social medias facebook twitter instagram goodreads and reddit if you just search r slash this film is lit uh katie what's next all right so coming up next we are beholden to our local movie theater Oh, it's one of those, like, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they are making a Nancy Drew in the Hidden Staircase movie. Oh, and that's right. Yes. If it yes, comes yes. to our movie theater, we're going to do that. Yes. I would really like to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't have high hopes that it's going to come to our theater because I'm not hearing a lot about it in yeah, general. Yeah, a lot of buzz. But yeah. sometimes our theater gets weird little movies, though, yeah. so you never know. You never know. Um. But if it does not come to our movie theater, we are going to do 
Ella Enchanted. Oh, okay. So. There you go. Wonderful. So that's what you can look out for in two weeks' time. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.